Hello, everyone. Welcome back again to another episode of Basement Banter. This week, I'm once again joined by Matt Blahut. Hello, hello, hello. And uh, this week, I figured we would do football again, just keep riding that wave. And uh, as I mentioned in the uh, Instagram post for this episode, go follow Basement Banter official if you don't already, uh, that we had a pretty abysmal week. I think most people had a uh, pretty bad week with uh, picks in the first round of the or the wild card weekend. But I think you, I think everyone kind of had a bad weekend because no one's gonna go and just straight up pick the Titans. I think I did say last week that I wouldn't be surprised if they won, but I, I don't. I put I still bet on the Patriots because I wasn't gonna bet against the Patriots at home in Foxborough in the playoffs. They're always in the Super yeah, Bowl, so I'm like, all right, like they're that's gonna tough. And <laughs> just for them just to just drop have a goose or not a goose egg, but just lay one there and just not do anything. It's pretty bad. Like it wasn't like they played the Chiefs in the wild card and they lost. Like that's more respectable. Okay, the Chiefs are a team that could be a Super Bowl contender. Didn't lose to the Ravens, where they're a Super Bowl contender. You look at the Titans, the eighth team in the AFC, and they're the worst division or the worst conference this year. So I wasn't expecting them to win. And then, of course, who's gonna pick against the Saints in the Superdome? Of course, Kevin or uh, Kyle Rudolph. Touchdown in the back of the end zone. Another controversial send-off for the Saints. And then the other one that me and Matt both picked. He was real high on them upsetting the Ravens this round. But uh, the Bills. Bills sent home. Yeah, that hurt, man. That hurt. They had that. They had that game. That was such a disgraceful. Just like in the first quarter, they were they looked great because I think For they the first half they were up. Yes, I, I, I think it was sixteen nothing. But I'm saying I think in the first quarter, I think they scored two touchdowns already. Yeah. Right. And I, I mean, I I just don't know what happened in the second half. Josh Allen started like making all these ridiculously risky, ballsy plays that like right. Didn't he have a couple of weird? I remember the one time in the second half. He was he went on a long run, then just turned around and tried to lateral to yeah. someone else. Like it was the last play of the game or something. While they were, know, well, in the second half they got super conservative, and then all of a sudden they're losing. So then then Josh Allen's like, "What the hell am I gonna do?" And that's where he was making right. crazy plays. That and some worked out in their favor, and a lot did. But they they weren't they aren't a team. Like I said, uh, I think I said this last week too. Not to keep uh, referencing myself, but uh, I think they, I think they were a, one of the lower scoring offenses in the league. Yeah. So I, they yeah. should. I, I don't think they should have decided to go conservative against a Texans team who have all of the bag of tricks, like not the Ravens, but they're one of those new age teams that they can move around and make a lot of stuff happen. And then you saw they put up sixteen points like nothing, and then they went down and scored and won the game. So. That was a uh, another rough one. And then the one that we picked right was the Seahawks. And that wasn't even a given. That game came down to the wire, too. DK Metcalf came up with the uh, game-winning icing uh, kick at the end of it. Or a uh, yeah, kick. Catch. Uh, catch. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I don't want to give uh, too much away. I have some insight Uh-oh. on the one remaining team. But we'll, we'll get to them. Uh, we'll start out with uh, the first game. On uh, Saturday, which is the Vikings 49ers, which is I, I think they're actually pretty well suited the Vikings to play the 49ers. I don't think it's going to be as big of a blowout as people are saying that the 49ers have a yellow brick road to the Super Bowl. I think it's going to be a pretty close game. Uh, both offenses are pretty efficient, both in the top 10 in points per game. 
then obviously Minnesota, one of the best defenses in the league, gives up fifth least amount of points in the league. They're going against a 49ers team who puts up the second most points in the league. So it's going to be an interesting game. I'm curious as to how the uh, offensive line of the um, the uh, 49 or the uh, Vikings is going to now. No, the 49ers, 49ers, I was right the first time. Because you saw them the first time they played Seattle get exposed. Uh, Jadavion Clowney had like a, had a career day against them. And there's a couple other times this season where once you start putting heat on uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, things start getting weird for the 49ers. And the only three times they've lost is when the heat's kind of been turned up on them. And uh, another team, or uh, when they played the uh, Saints, came down to the wire. Uh, Cam uh, Jordan was getting in there. And I'm just curious as to uh, how they're going to hold up because the Vikings' front was lived in the backfield the other day against Drew Brees. Yep. And they have a pretty stellar offensive line, the Saints. They have a couple of really good uh, tackles and a couple other guys yeah they uh, have they have a couple of top offensive linemen i think ryan ramchek in coming into the game I believe it was him didn't allow a sack yet this season right. i think he allowed one in that game um so their offensive line has been great but they got a lot of pressure on drew Brees, and i do think jimmy g is a little more athletic than drew Brees at this point where he could kind of move out of the pocket and make some plays with his feet that drew Brees can't um, but that Minnesota pass rush has been just as strong as we thought it was coming into the to playoffs. And they uh, and that defense has been leading that team really this whole year. They won the them the game the other night or the yeah. other day. I'm going to give it to the uh, I forget if it was uh, Daniil Hunter or, uh, Griffin, but he someone one of the two who were living in the backfields all game. I think was the one who popped the ball out of Drew Brees, which led them to go down and uh, score. And then you saw what happened at the end of the game. So. I don't think it's going to be as big of a wash as you as people are expecting with uh, this game. I think the 49ers are – I think if they come out and are poised, then I think they're going to be fine. But the, the Vikings have a lot of playoff experience. I know they have Kirk Cousins as their quarterback who I always – I don't feel comfortable picking Kirk Cousins, especially on the West Coast. But – We'll see. I I, th- I think they have a lot more seasoning in the the off season or the uh, postseason though, the Vikings opposed yeah. to the Forty ers who a lot of these guys got onto the team when they were a bottom half team. I mean, obviously none of them were on a, the team when they were good because they haven't been good since oh, they went yeah, to the bet. Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, this is a good matchup. I. I don't think there's any blowouts here in, in this game specifically. The Vi- like I said, um, and I mean, it's been obvious. The Vikings defense is going to show up every game. So this is a team that's going to be in every game no matter where they have to play because that defense is always going to keep them in it. The biggest question is, can the Vikings run the football against the 49ers defense? Um, they ran it very well against New Orleans. Dalvin Cook almost had 100 yards. The team combined had well over 100 yards. Uh, Kirk Cousins made plays off play action, so he didn't need to do too much. And then he made the big play at the end of the game in overtime. So if they're able to run the ball effectively, which is what Mike Zimmer and his teams like to do, then they're gonna they could have their way with San Fran and play another close game and maybe steal a game on the road. Um, the the one thing that I think is gonna cause issues for Minnesota and what we saw 
in that game against the Saints was when they ran it to the outside and were able to get outside with Taysom Hill of a couple times, they were able to break off some pretty big runs. And if you watch San Fran play the play this year, uh, Mostert and company love to they love to toss the ball to the outside. They love to have pulling guards, whether it's Mike McGlinchey or someone else. They love to get those runners outside in space. And that's going to be an interesting thing to see. That's where I think the Vikings have a bit of a disadvantage in this football game. Well, I was going to say just their secondary in general has been a big uh, head scratch for oh, them this year. Yeah, Rhodes has I, been I, awful. I was going to say it isn't. I wouldn't say necessarily. I think they're if you're going to try and run inside on the Vikings, it's not going to go well for you because I think they have one of the best uh, front eight in the NFL. Anthony Barr. Uh, what the hell's the other guy? Uh, the other the other linebacker whose name currently escapes me. And then their defensive front has been good for the past like five seasons. Yeah. So I don't think that this would be a or a Kendricks it is. Uh, but when I was watching the game, like you said, once you once they got outside and it was with those DBs, the uh, Saints were able to pick them apart a little bit, and that's been something that's been going on all season. Xavier Rhodes in particular, who's someone who's been a Pro Bowl talent all pro talent a few years ago this year they're having to have this or uh, roll the safeties down a little bit to help them out and like you saw on a couple of plays the Saints were able to get the ball down right to the uh the goal line because of miscommunications between the defensive backs so I don't know how that's going to go with uh the deep ball and I, I don't Emmanuel Sanders I'm sure they're going to be keying in on him but other than that George Kittle obviously a, a oh, yeah. great a great receiver this season but if he's going up across the middle, uh, like I said, the linebackers probably bail them out a couple of times or a, a, a bunch. Plus, the pass rush bails them out a bunch. So that's something I'm going to be looking uh, looking for going into this week. Is if the Vikings are able to put the heat on the 49ers and rattle Jimmy Garoppolo, rattle a young coach and Kyle Shanahan, I'm curious as to how that game's going to turn out because I th- I wouldn't be surprised if uh, the Vikings went into San Francisco and upset them. Yeah, and I I would agree, but uh, the one thing I think people are kind of not talking about the San Francisco team and about this game is San Francisco's defense. Everyone thinks it's a really stout defense, especially when we watched it for the first eight, eight weeks. They were just, Bosa was killing it. The whole team was killing it. Um, the pass rush was great. They were stopping the run. Richard Sherman looks great all year, but this defense for really the past month hasn't been very good. Um, they, except for that Baltimore game well over a month ago now in the pouring rain, they haven't held an opponent to low scoring at all. They've been, whether it's Seattle, the Rams who weren't really in playoff contention. Um, I mean, we saw the Saints light them up. So any team really has kind of had their way with that right. San Fran defense. Now, I do think it's getting healthy at this point. I don't know if D Ford's playing, but I think he's trying he, to play. Yeah, he's going to try and play then uh – Kawan Alexander, I think. Oh, yeah, he's trying I, I, to play, too. I don't know if he'll be back this week, but I think he's on a uh, championship game if they make it there, like the NFC championship oh, game. Actually, they just practiced today, so these guys look like they're coming back. Now, one main piece, and who you just mentioned, Quan Alexander was huge not only for the defensive linebacker position and stopping the run but he was probably one of the best cover linebackers in the NFL and that's something that they missed while he was out so this defense hasn't been good now they get some key pieces back 
we'll see if this makes a difference in this Vikings game. If they return to that old defense, this has got to be a Super Bowl frontliner right up with the uh, Baltimore Ravens and the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, definitely the Super Bowl favorite for the NFC. Uh, those two guys add a huge dimension to this defense that they've been missing throughout the past month that they've been holding on to this one seed. Um, and I, I'd like to see how they play, both coming off significant injuries. I think D4 had a hamstring injury, and yeah. I know Alexander tore his pec. Right. So, so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how these guys are coming back, but it's happening. And if they are even like 80%, 90%, that's a huge add for uh, the San Francisco 49ers. Right. And that, so that's – I have two things when we as we wrap up this game. Two things I'm going to look for is the uh, pass rush of the Minnesota Vikings – uh, then I guess I'll throw in there how their secondary adjusts if they're not able to get to the uh, get to Jimmy Garoppolo. And then on the uh, on the other side, like you said, uh, uh, whatever uh, Quan Alexander's coming back, D Ford's coming back. Fred uh, Warner's having a great season, yeah. one of the best middle linebackers in the NFL this season. So I'm going to be curious how they go against the uh, like you said they've been struggling the past couple months. They've been injured so. We'll see how that how that like uh, matters as we get these other guys back. But I'm curious to see how they do against the Minnesota run game because Minnesota has a top two run oh, offense. Yeah. I think probably, arguably, behind the Baltimore Ravens, the best run offense in the NFL. I'd say they're the best traditional like, traditional yeah. run offense. Obviously. I would agree with you. Them and the 49ers both have great run offenses. and. Right. If they're not clicking, that it's tough for them to really win without it. For the Vikings specifically. Yeah. And the 49ers we, have a great run have, defense. Yeah, so. and, and we have seen if the 49ers aren't able to run the ball as well, we have seen Jimmy G air it out. And that's another interesting thing where we saw Drew Brees barely even throw it past like 20 yards last week. Jimmy G is one who can air it out. They have a lot of fast wide receivers and George Kittle. So this is an interesting matchup. I, I like San Fran here. I don't know if they'll cover I think... Vikings could give them a run for their money. Yeah. But um, I do like San Fran. Here. I agree. I think it's going to be San Fran, but don't just dismiss this game and go, all right, I'll just watch the night game and this game's just going to be 49ers. <laughs> I think this is going to be a tough game. Why? You don't want to listen to Chris Collinsworth and company? <laughs> <Come on. laughs> uh, Al Michaels, though, is the homie. So yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I tough it out for him. All right. The next game, the night game, I mean, this game I don't think I have to talk about as much. Ravens, Titans. Titans looked really good the other night. Gave uh, Bill Belichick a taste of his own medicine with the uh, that that smart play where they ran like a minute off the clock in the fourth quarter with the uh, taking the delay yeah. of game false start. Pulled one out of Belichick's yeah. playbook right there. <laughs> and then the guy jumped off sides on the on the uh, Patriots and cut them down another like thirty seconds. So. But I said it. I, once again, to go back to myself, I was saying that the Titans have a very good run offense. And you saw you saw the, uh, the Patriots struggle against all of the mobile quarterbacks. You saw them struggle against uh, teams that could really run the ball. And then look what happened. Derrick Henry had a great game. Uh, Ryan Tannehill was able to move around, and they ended up pulling out the victory in Foxborough. But unfortunately, I don't think that this game is going to be – as close and the one main thing is that it's so hard to uh to build a defensive game plan for a team that has mark ingram as a running back in general then you have lamar jackson who's going to be the mvp so you can't really key in on either one of them for the rush game because if you commit 
or just straight up if you commit to the rush game, then they'll air it out because they have Marquise Brown, who's one of the fastest receivers in the NFL. They have Mark Andrews, who's one of the top tight ends in the NFL. And they'll make you pay for it if those couple of big plays, that's all they really need because then otherwise Lamar Jackson takes care of the rest. Uh, obviously, you know the Ravens offense put the most points up in the NFL, had a record-breaking year with that, best run offense in the NFL. And then also their defense is a silent hero as well. They're a top five in, I think, most categories, whether it's uh, passing or run or whatever. They have their defensive backs. They have a couple that are first-team All-Pro in uh, Marlon Humphrey and uh, Marcus Peters. And then uh, their defensive line has played great all season. They've been able to get to the quarterback. So obviously Tennessee on the other side of the ball. Ryan Tannehill can move around, so maybe that'll give their defensive pass rush. It'll neutralize them a little bit. Maybe have a chance for A.J. Brown or Corey Davis to get open. Uh, but other than that, I, I think the Ravens will probably win this one by two touchdowns. I, I respect – I like Mike Vrabel. I like how they've played this year. I'm sure they'll be back in the playoffs next year. Uh, but I think the Ravens – it's going to be hard to beat the Ravens. Just anyone beating the Ravens this year. They haven't lost since – what uh, September? They haven't lost in September, and now you're going to say that they're going to come into yeah, uh, since week four. Well, yeah, they haven't, <laughs> they haven't lost since week four. They haven't lost it in like almost half a year. So it's going to be hard to say that they'll lose to uh, or they'll yeah they'll lose to the Titans of all teams left in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean we have seen teams as good as the Ravens lose before. Like uh, I think there were some good Chargers teams, some good Colts teams back in the day to choke away the playoffs. The Titans are a real team. Uh, a really good football team that people have been counting out for a bit, and I mean, it, they didn't. No one really counted them out against the Patriots. So with that Patriots offense being so brutal the past couple of weeks, but since they made the switch to Tannehill, this t- offense has been much, much better, and the defense has always been good. Now you're getting into Derrick Henry time. He just ran all over the Patriots, and I think they're gonna be. I I, th- I know what you're thinking. How they're gonna blow out or win by a couple touchdowns. I really think the Titans could keep this close, though. I think even if they can't run the football effectively, and I don't think they're going to be able to run it like they did against the Patriots, I do think Tannehill can lead at least stage a comeback, and maybe they fall short. And we've seen the Ravens kind of be susceptible to a late rally. Um, we saw that with the Bills earlier in the season, and we have seen Tannehill come back. I mean, just look at the Chiefs game, for example, where they came back and won and shocked the Chiefs. So there's always that opportunity where I think with those two guys, they're going to be able to stay into the game. Um, I just can't see them winning this one, though. I think the Ravens' defense, like you mentioned, has been very underrated because we're talking about Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram, Hollywood Brown, Mark Andrews, all those weapons on offense. The defense has kind of been neglected throughout, and I'm just pulling up their last couple games. I mean, we'll... We can kind of sketch out the Steelers game. Right. Because not only do they play our backups, but the the Steelers' offense is just absolutely terrible. (laughs) But we're talking about the Bills. They let up 17 points. Um, The Browns, obviously, I beat them up. The Rams, they only let up six points. And a few weeks later, the Rams put up 31 on San Fran. Seven points to the Texans. Uh, You name it. They've been shutting down a lot of teams since they got... uh, Marcus Peters. Marcus Peters, Jimmy Smith healthy. All these guys and the defense fully up and running. It's been a it's been really yeah. a good sight to see. Well, but then the other thing I was gonna say just to leave this game, 
Ravens first in points. Uh, Tennessee is 21st in the league in yards allowed a game, uh, per game. And uh, they're also 12th. They're in whatever, like the middle of the table with points per game. Where if you're letting up, if you're in the middle of the league letting up uh, points per game going up against a team who could hang 35 on any defense in the league, best defenses in the league in the Bills, uh, Patriots, 49ers, they all came, they all put up at least, I think, like 20 points a game in all of those games. So I don't, I don't know if you're a middle of the table defense trying to go up against the Ravens. I think, like I said, I think they're going to win by 14. I know what you're saying that I don't think it's going to be that bad of a game for either team and it's going to be closer than people are thinking i think that at the end it's going to be a track meet and it's hard to keep up with a team that could put up 35 in the blink of an eye so especially a team that doesn't have the tools like if like this was next week with kansas city then you'd say okay because they have the tools where they could just have put up a quick seven points the titans have aj brown and then i know derrick henry's been putting up big numbers but he doesn't really have the breakaway speed that you would like with other teams uh but all right and then on sunday we start out with the other afc matchup in the uh texans and chiefs i think once again i think this is going to be a chiefs win i think the bills aren't nearly as good as the chiefs uh, are texans Texans. No, no, the Bills. Oh, oh, oh. No, no, the Bills. Like they, the Texans beat them by. Oh, they gotcha, snuck gotcha. out a win that last week. Gotcha. And uh, the Chiefs, I think, are miles better than that. And uh, <laughs> with uh, competition-wise, so and plus the one thing underrated this year is the Chiefs have one of the best defenses or a, a top. I'd say like a top ten defense. This yeah, year, which, I mean, compared to... I could have said top 15, you still would have been amazed compared to last year. Last year, they might have had, like, a 26th-ranked oh, defense. Their yeah. defense last year was, like, Swiss cheese. It, it was, was bottom really third of the league. It was yeah. brutal. Uh, but this year, they have... They really stepped it up. Uh, I know a lot of the young guys stepped up for them. Uh, Tyron Mathieu was big. Uh, and then Chris Jones has been playing great this year as well as he did last year. Uh, then off their offense is just it's great again. The one thing I will say, though, I mean, once again, I think you could just throw screen passes to Tyree Kill the whole game, and they'll still end up finding a way to beat the uh, the Texans. But I was going to say the big thing that I'm going to look out for is how uh, Patrick Mahomes is feeling. He's had, like, an injury, the, like, a different injury the past, like, I don't know, there, like, a, every, like, each of the last three months of the season. First, it was the knee. Then it was the hand. Yeah. And then he hurt his hamstring down somewhere in there. So I'm curious if he's at full health, if they really were able to rehab him this last week. Because if he's full, if he's ready to go, then the Texans are in a lot of trouble. Even with all of their uh, costume-wearing linebacker core, I still think they're going to get whooped. <laughs> because they they allowed – all right, so they, let, they only let the uh, – Bills put up 16 points. The Bills put up 16 points in the first quarter or the first half, and the Bills are not a team that should be putting up 16 points in the the first half. They're a team that puts up, like, 16 points a game. And they could have put up more if they didn't just lay a brick at the second half of uh, that game. And even in the first half, they had opportunities. Instead of settling for field goals, they really could have put that game away in the first half. Yeah, uh what was I going to say? Uh, and uh, like we were saying before, 
the the Bills aren't a team that could afford or they went conservative towards the end of the game. And the Bills aren't a team like I said just said that they they only put up like 16 points a game. They're not a team that could afford to then just slope or take their foot off the gas, especially in a playoff game against the team that could put up points in the blink of yeah, an eye like the Texans. Sean Watson. And, and you can't yeah, do that. but once again, there was a couple of things that happened where the Texans kind of got away, like just snuck out of there uh, alive. Uh, the one thing in particular was the uh, the blindside block on uh, the yeah. right tackle of uh, the Bills, who had a great game, by the way. He really shut down J.J. Watt that game, and uh, he had a pretty good game. And then it's a shame that it ended with a blindside block, which is pretty surprising for an interior lineman to have a blindside block. Yeah, it was uh, a tough call. And that took them out of field goal range, and that kind of set them up for disaster. And then on the flip side, the next the next drive for the Texans, they have Deshaun Watson dead to rights like 10 yards in the backfield. And he somehow does some crazy juke move and finds a receiver down the field and they get in the field goal range and that's it. I don't think it's going to be a game like that where you're going to be able to just es- escape against the Kansas City Chiefs. Because I'm going to tell you what, I think the Texans are going to be behind the whole game and they're going to be playing catch up the whole time. So if they don't play a flawless game and if they aren't playing uh, at their highest level, they're going to end up losing. and They'll probably lose bad if they are asleep and just kind of thinking, all right, we're at, we're going to take it to the chiefs. Yeah. I, like you mentioned earlier, the chiefs defense has been really good of late. I mean, they obviously lose one of their standout safeties, but they do have exceptional guys to replace them. Most likely Kendall Fuller or move around Tyron Matthew. Um, I, I just, the Texans are just, I don't know how they got by that game. I really don't think they're that good of a team. Obviously, Deshaun Watson is a playmaker and one of the best QBs in the NFL, but that offensive line is not good. Um, And he was getting hit all day. Obviously, on the game-winning play or the play that basically sealed the game, he got hit twice and somehow avoided that sack. I think he was, I'm going to look up the exact numbers, but I think he was sacked about seven times. That sounds about right. He could have been sacked. 15 times if he didn't have the legs to get out of half the situations he was in uh i don't i don't think this one's gonna be i don't think either afc game's gonna be all that exciting i think that chiefs probably win by two touchdowns ravens win by two touchdowns not that the other teams are bad but just hard to keep up with these two offenses um yeah so i mean i i think they also have a lot more playoff experience with andy Reid as a coach Patrick Mahomes and all of, I think basically their whole team was in the AFC championship game last year. They don't have too many new pieces besides Tyron Matthew, but you could put him, you could have him sit out the whole year and bring him in in the Super Bowl and he'll still be playing at, <laughs> on all cylinders. Yeah. I don't think the moment's He's ever really to too big for him. So I think that they'll be all right, the Chiefs this week. And then next week we'll have an awesome AFC championship game. Yeah, I think this is a game and, and it's a huge opportunity for the Chiefs to get the bye, get healthier. Um, get everything set, get two weeks of practice without their standout safety. And I think this is a great opportunity to send a statement to whoever they play next. And who knows, Tennessee maybe upsets Baltimore and they're hosting another home playoff game. This is a great opportunity to put Houston away early, chill out for the second half, and get ready to go for that AFC championship game. Because if it is Tennessee, then they're hosting. If it's Baltimore, that is a crazy matchup for an AFC championship game. Two of the best teams in football, two of the best teams probably in the last couple of years yeah. quite honestly uh so that's a 
this is a huge game for Kansas City to kind of just make a huge statement, knock out Houston, which I think is a pretty fraud team. They were sacked seven times last week. I could see Kansas City doing that again. They've had success with mobile quarterbacks, and really that defense has been stout throughout the last two months um, since they played and choked away that game to Tennessee. So I, I think this is a great opportunity for them to put away the Texans. I think the Bills would have been a tough matchup. I agree. Uh, not just because the Bills are a more fundamentally sound team, but because they play a tough uh, running style beatdown football, which is tough for both fronts on offense and defense, and the kind of game you don't want to play when you're trying to get fully healthy into it, an AFC championship. I think game. on both sides, because then it would have flipped. So then the Bills yeah. would have been in uh, the Bills would have been in Baltimore. No, and the Bills would have still because the Tennessee was a six seed, right? So no matter oh, what, the oh, Bills, right, the Bills right, text right. because of that upset the. Bills would have went to Kansas City, and I think that would have been a tight game and a tough. Even if whoever escapes that game, they're going to be beat up because that's a physical football team. Yeah, and I think Houston's going to be pretty beat up going into this game in Kansas City. I think yeah, as if they were not a disadvantage to begin with. But like you said, I think this is a big statement game for the Chiefs because there was a lot of times during the year where we were kind of scratching our heads trying to figure out what if they were still the team they were the uh, the year before or if they were kind of just choking it away. Because there was a point in the year where they were, I think they were like, I don't even know. They, they yeah. were, they well, were, when Mahomes the went down, they were, in, yeah. they were in a bit of trouble. And the Raiders were like one game behind them for yeah. the division title. I think they played. They lost three out of four. At, and actually. They played in Mexico City with the chance to uh, to jump them, I think, the Chiefs. Or at yeah. least tie them. And then the next week. That didn't work out too well. And then, yeah, it didn't work <laughs> out too well for them. And obviously they just kind of crash and burn. Um, we'll see them next year, the Raiders, I'm sure. Uh, but yeah, so I think I think this is a big statement game for the Chiefs to kind of reestablish that they're they should be the team being talked about in the AFC instead of the Ravens, uh, because they've been the past couple of years they've been tapping on the door, and this year they fully just kicked or uh, last year they kicked it down. Uh, this year, kind of spotty, obviously without Patrick Mahomes. Changes a lot for their offense. Matt Moore, some guy who was coaching high school football a couple of weeks before he got called. So we'll see. I, I, but I think comfortably Chiefs Ravens next week or uh, yeah next week in Baltimore. I don't think there's much argument from you either on that one. So we'll move into the final game of this divisional round se- or, uh, week, which is the Seahawks Packers. I think it's going to be a pretty good game. I know Matt thinks the Packers are the biggest frauds in the NFL. And I have to say, you may not be wrong. I was I was doing a little <laughs> research this week, and okay. the Packers okay. are bottom half in almost every stat for their offense. They're fifteenth in uh, points per game, fifteenth rushing, seventeenth passing. So I mean yeah. that that's shocking for an Aaron Rodgers offense. You, I think everyone sees them doing so well, and you're thinking, all right, they're hanging thirty something points a game, so that's why they're doing so well. And in fact, it's not. It's their, I guess, defense ninth in points per game. But that might not be entirely on them because they allow their 18th in yards per game. So it might not entirely be on their defense putting out these big performances. It might just be other teams laying uh, laying duds. You have to think about. Two of their game, two of their wins are against the, the freaking Lions. Who, I mean, yeah. last week they took them down to the end, but still they were on their third string quarterback, and they, the Lions are just perpetually a bad team. Uh, they played the 
or I think they beat the Bears twice this year. Mitch Trubisky had an off season. Not going to really dog him too much because I don't <laughs> really care enough for the Bears organization. Uh, um, but I mean, those are four wins right there. And then I think they split the series with the Vikings this year. Uh, and no, then, no, no. They swept the Vikings. So that's why they won well, the division. Go, that's why. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so they would have been in the playoffs either way. But, yeah, I, I'm curious how they're going to be against the Seahawks. But you can't also then go, oh, yeah, the Seahawks are a legit team. They're going to go and kick the shit out of the Packers because they almost lost to the Eagles. Their yeah. run offense was nowhere to be seen. That's that, the that's thing. Uh, Green Bay's offense has been sketchy this year. Rodgers is a big name but hasn't really kept up his his part of the bargain in this new offense. Uh, it hasn't been clicking on all cylinders at all. And they they had a prayer to get out of the get out of Detroit with a bye and they needed that bye. But my problem with I mean Green Bay obviously being one of the biggest frauds in the NFL this year is that Seattle's also a fraud team and Green Bay's defense has been good at times. But their run defense has been awful a lot. And I don't know if Seattle's the team equipped to run all over yeah. Green Bay. They're down their top three running backs. They bring in Marshawn Lynch, who is okay. I don't know if he's in the best football shape. He didn't so, really, yeah. So it's and kind of have, like you you don't have the pieces to exploit the the worst parts of Green Bay. Now, the good thing for Seattle defensively is they have a good pass rush. They have a decent secondary, and there are, they shouldn't be expected to give up a lot of points in this game. So this is going to be another close game. I, I'm not sure what the over-under is. I'll have to look it up. But I would look and lean towards the under in this game because I, I think it could be very much like that Eagles game we saw last week. I think the Packers were, uh, at least in the beginning or a couple of days ago, the Packers were big favorites in this game, um, I, which I in that case I'm probably going to bet on Seattle. Because I just yeah, I'll pull up the line now, courtesy of draft. The one I will say this as you're pulling it up, the one thing that saved the Packers a lot this season is getting third down sacks and kind of getting in the backfield and making uh, causing disruption and with these quarterbacks, these old school quarterbacks, uh, with Preston Smith to Zadarius Smith getting in a lot this year, putting up uh, career numbers for both of them. So that's the one thing that I think that's been saving the Packers a lot this year, forcing quarterbacks to make bad throws. Um, But like I always say, or like I've been saying a couple times this season, once you start putting in a mobile quarterback, these defenses that are like a top 10 defense, they start getting funny. Like, Like the 49ers, all of their losses were to mobile quarterbacks. All of their close games were to mobile quarterbacks. Even like Kyler Murray gave them a run for the money. The two times they played, um, and that's I'd say the same thing happens with the Packers. The Packers, uh, eight of their wins this season came from teams that have quarterbacks that are like statues. So, and then on top of that, there's other games that they're playing. I mean, most of their games I think were against quarterbacks that don't, can't really move around. So I'm curious to see how they adapt and start forcing these other parts of their defense like their uh, DBs and uh, outside linebackers to come up and make big plays against Russell Wilson, who has no problem rolling outside of the pocket and making uh, big throws, as we saw a couple times uh, this past week. Yeah. So and then we'll have to see with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, if he still has that magic touch like he has had in the past that we haven't really seen as much this season, as much as we liked, especially with uh, an offensive or a quarterback's coach with Matt LaFleur coming into Green Bay. 
Yeah, and one thing that we do see throughout the playoffs is that these mobile quarterbacks, I mean, obviously Lamar Jackson's going to be on his own on this one because he's been running all season, but guys like Deshaun Watts and Russell Wilson, who may not run it as much in the regular season, especially not in bigger games, will run more in the postseason because they know everything's on the line. So I think that's something that you won't see in the stats that you're meshing together for your regular season to see a picture of what the team is looking like and how their offense is done this year. But I would look to Russell Wilson to run more than he has in the past. And we saw him run a bit against Philly, although they were in good spots and were exploiting that secondary. I think Green Bay rush defense has been bad, and I don't know how much Marshawn Lynch is going to take advantage of it, but I think Russell Wilson is one X factor that definitely can. Well, and DK Metcalf was making a lot of big plays last yeah, week. Yeah, huge plays. I think he probably won them the game. He put yeah. up he put up like a hundred and what sixty something yards. He was having he his had way. A, he had a touchdown in the in the game ice and catch at the end. So I think that uh, I think that they'll probably end up winning that game. Uh, Seattle, I like them more just because I'm someone who doesn't just look at the stat lines. And doesn't see Aaron Rodgers and immediately think, oh, yeah, they're definitely going to win. Because their wide receivers drop a lot of passes. Yeah. The Packers. They do. And Jimmy Graham is brutal. Jimmy Graham. He's brutal. Since the New Orleans Saints has been trash. And everyone gets suckered into drafting him in their fantasy football leagues. Or believing that he's going to do more than he actually does every season. And he consistently lets you down. Let you down in Seattle. He lets you down in Green Bay. Two of the best quarterbacks in the NFL throwing to three Every team he was on, he has a quarterback that could potentially be a Hall of Famer. Or that's probably yeah. no, they are going to be Hall of Famers. Oh yeah, Russell Wilson, uh, Aaron Rodgers, and uh, and Drew Brees, and he can't catch the ball. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's not as round as a basketball, and that's what's throwing him off. Uh, but and then Devontae Adams, if he doesn't come out hot, you could just imagine that he's going to disappear the rest of the game like he always does, um, where he's like a fifty coin flip of if he's going to show up. And then Aaron Jones is consistently good, so I have no uh, hate towards him. And he actually has had a couple of big catches this year. But like we said, the uh, Seattle has a great linebacking course, so, I mean, they're going to key on him, and I don't really think it's going to be. Yeah. I mean, Seattle, one thing that has hurt Seattle is their rush defense hasn't been the greatest this year. And then they lost Michael Kendricks, who tore his ACL. So that's a tough blow. They will get Quandre Diggs back again. Clowney looks good to go. So that helps the defense. But I'm surprised Aaron you, Jones could have a decent day. I'm surprised Javion Clowney isn't suspended or anything. The NFL, oh, yeah, that was a sketchy they, hit. The NFL didn't really even make a statement, right? They didn't I think release they, a fine or anything? I think, they, I think he was fine, but that... And that was like, he probably should have been suspended. Like, they were really on top of it a couple years ago. Players getting fined and suspended. But now they kind of just like, oh, yeah, they've gotten kind of loose with it. And if that could have, Eagles fans might look back and say that cost them a win. Because Yeah, I don't know if they were going to win that game. But it was a close game until the end with Josh McCown in. So certainly Carson Wentz does a couple things. They could easily win that game. How do we know, though? Because we've never seen Carson Wentz in the postseason. Yeah. He's every, every year, he's like, it's like, all right, here we go. Yeah, I mean, this is, a, this, one, this is a tough one. It's not on him as much as, much as all the other and ones. They're I also mean. playing with the uh, hot dog vendor, the yeah. ticket scanning guy, and uh, the janitor as their wide receivers because <laughs> everyone else is on the IR. Yeah. But, I mean... I don't know. I think that I think the the Seahawks should have deserved to win that game either way. Uh, but I'm curious. The my two key points I want to look at are how uh, 
Seattle's going to do without a run game because, as you saw last week, Marshawn Lynch, I think, had a touchdown run, but it was from one yard away. Um, and then, other than that, Homer, who was their guy who stepped up and they said they had a lot of confidence in him, did nothing all game. I know because I had him on FanDuel and he did absolutely nothing. He might have gotten, like, one point. Had a pretty trash game. So, yeah. that side of then on the other side of the ball, I'm going to see how uh, – I want to see how the Packers receiving core is because there's weeks when they could catch the ball and they're getting open. That's when they really light up teams and they look like the old Packers. But if they're like this sketchy team like they have been all year where Devontae Adams will disappear for a game or uh, these other guys like Geronimo Allison or Valdez Scantling are dropping 60-yard bombs where they should be able to reach out and catch it, we'll have to see. I think the Seahawks ultimately, though, will win. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Seahawks, too. I like to see, I mean, it's Wednesday night, so we'll see if some of their linemen come back, and that would obviously be a big help. But it's going to be a good game. I mean, it could, both teams could be running the ball. I, I just can't see a lot of scoring in this game unless Rice, uh, Russ Wilson starts to light it up. Um, but we'll see. I think Seattle wins this game. Both these teams, I don't think either of these teams beat San Fran. Obviously, Seattle played them tough a few weeks ago, so it's always possible. But if they do have to play Minnesota, Minnesota pulls off the upset. I mean, one of these teams could be in the Super Bowl. Uh, so here we go. I have I brought up the. Uh, I just pulled up the. Uh, we got the spread. I have the spreads okay, for the okay. games. So, uh, San Francisco's minus seven. And the odds right now are Minnesota plus 255, an enticing one if you guys are uh, really sticking to your uh, host's words. Titans are plus 350 against the Ravens. Titans are plus 9.5. Do yourself a favor. Don't touch that game because it could be a close game or it could end up being a complete whitewash. Like when the Texans and Ravens were squaring off in the middle of the season where everyone thought it was going to be a shootout. And the Ravens ended up crapping on them like 44-7. to uh, in the last game that we were just discussing, the Seahawks are plus four, plus 170 against the Packers, which I think I'm going to hammer this weekend. <laughs> Ride the Seahawks. <laughs> just like uh, we did last the, the week. The Seahawks were underdogs last week. Yep. I don't know if the guy was drunk in Las Vegas and accidentally flipped the numbers or something, and that's what happened. The guy's fired now, but, I mean, how the well, hell? Well, yeah, Seahawks were a favorite for a little bit, and then as he came to game time, it was basically – a pick them and right away when it opened if you had a chance to get on it seahawks were uh three-point dogs they were when i bet on them they were plus something yeah and i thought that yeah. was the most ridiculous thing <laughs> you're 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 betting against the a, a team that's won this you're betting against a quarterback that won a super bowl Pete carroll won a super bowl well i mean i guess you can't say that against the eagles <laughs> just won a super bowl too but i mean well, most of the uh, the Eagles won a Super Bowl. You're going against Josh McCown, who's 40 years old, which you didn't, well, you know, didn't going know going into the game. But, <laughs> uh, and then you're going against uh, you're going against Marty, Ricky, and Billy, the uh, the kids <laughs> hanging out outside the stadium that they threw jerseys on and put out there as their wide receiving core. That was free money. So, I mean, I think I'm going to like I'm going to take the Seahawks again. I might throw 20 bucks on the Seahawks or uh, lock it in. Maybe 10 and 10 between the Seahawks <laughs> and Vikings. I think one of those teams are going to upset. Yeah, the, uh, I, that's the one thing you got to expect throughout this playoffs. Uh, there's always, especially in the divisional round and wild card round. Obviously, we had a lot of upsets, but in the divisional round, there's always one team that sneaks in there and pulls off the upset. Everyone's picking Kansas City to beat Houston and maybe even blow them out. So that sketches me out the most. And I really like Kansas City. I like them going to the Super Bowl. But 
between that game, I think Seattle's probably the consensus yes, pick for the upset. I agree. Uh, the last thing I wanted to talk about before we officially wrap things up was there was three coaching hires this week. Mike McCarthy, Joe Judge, Matt Rule. I'm going to start out with you, or I'm going to start out with Mike McCarthy as you are a Cowboys fan. What's your thoughts on this pick, or uh, this coaching uh, hire? I'm personally, before you say your words, I'm going to say that I don't know. I don't know if that's really the uh, the coach I'd want to go to. I'm looking for a guy who's more of a, uh, I feel like a more of a rah-rah guy, gets the whole team together ready to go because you saw even though the Packers had one of the best offenses in the NFL and it showed again this year once they got a new coach in they were kind of just flat and I don't know if it's maybe the culture that he lacked to bring to the Packers uh, because you you see some teams that are like the Ravens this year are really uh, close Nick group the Patriots obviously have their regime and their whole thing going and you never really looked at the Packers and were like, oh, yeah, you know, Green Bay, like, with behind Mike McCarthy. So I'm curious well, to see how they're going to do, especially as a guy who I feel like is really soft-spoken going up in, on a team where their GM and owner, Jerry Jones, is on the radio every day contradicting basically everything the coach is going to say. I don't know if he's, like, G-checking him or something, but <laughs> <laughs> that's, like... yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't mind the hire. I don't hate it. I don't love it. It definitely could have lot, gone a lot worse for Dallas. I I really wanted something new, something innovative, like a Lincoln Riley type, but that seemed to me uh, to be far and far away from ever actually happening. It seems like he's locked down there in Oklahoma. He's got a good gig going on, getting still top recruits. So I don't think he's moving out of there anytime soon. Uh, Mike McCarthy, I think he could be all right. I mean, Jerry hasn't been the one to hire rah-rah guys. Um, and Mike McCarthy does have a good resume. And you look since he's left, Aaron Rodgers hasn't looked anything special this year. Neither has that Green Bay offense. So, uh, I mean, he's got, he's got a great resume. I, we'll see. We'll see I, what happens. I, I, mean, I mean, I think the I think their offense is looking a lot better than it did last year, though the Packers. Yeah, I mean, but I, I think I they were hope. pretty banged up last season too. Aaron Rodgers was banged up yeah. his last couple of years, so yeah. I mean, they were there time and time again, close to NFC Championship games. Obviously, won a Super Bowl, so it's a team that was threatening in the playoffs year after year. I mean, I watched them beat the Cowboys almost every year, so. <laughs> So if you don't, if you have Jason Garrett, it's at least an upgrade from that, and it would be some storyline next year if the Cowboys hosted Green Bay or went to Green Bay and beat them with Mike McCarthy versus Aaron Rodgers. That would be something funny to watch, especially over the last decade that we've lost the Packers over and over right. again on a field goal or whatever the situation is. Yeah, catch no catch. Yeah. <laughs> I don't hate Mike McCarthy. I just don't know with if he's the personality. You know, there's a couple of coaching positions in the NFL where I feel like you need to be a big personality guy to really get the fan base going and get the team going uh, yeah i mean the thing with the cowboys is there's a lot of pieces and they're i mean statistically if you look at it they're probably the best team to not make the playoffs um and they have the pieces there that offensive line is there the defensive front is there they're obviously going to go to the draft and take someone else that they can add to what they have they have a solid tight end and blake jarwin they have wide receivers and Michael Gallup. We don't know what's going to happen with Cooper. They obviously have Zeke. So all the pieces are there. So you just need a coach to lead them in the right, right direction. Jason Garrett obviously wasn't that guy. 
Definitely not inspiring. I would have liked to go out of the box and get a Lincoln Riley if he could, which he couldn't, or even Eric Bieniemy from Kansas City, just something new, um, and obviously something on the offensive side, which they did go anyways. I don't mind the hire. I would have liked something else. But it certainly could have done a lot worse. And we'll see who Mike McCarthy puts around himself in terms of his coordinators. They already got, I think, Mike Nolan from the Saints. So that was a nice ad for defensive coordinator. We'll see what else they do. Yeah. Uh, I definitely think is a step up from Jason Garrett. Pretty hard to... Yeah. <laughs> to get and I think he... I, think, I generally think that Mike McCarthy was probably top two hire. You could get this uh, top two, top three guy you could get. But uh, obviously last year he didn't get hired. But I think a big problem with it is a lot of teams were intimidated by uh, hiring him because he could go into any team and be like, look, I want a Super Bowl. I whatever. I had one of the best offenses in the NFL. Uh, So the reason why we're not doing good is because the GM didn't put a lot of guys in my my hands and that it's his fault. Then you end up getting yourself screwed as the GM hiring this guy who ends up getting you fired. Because he's he's saying that he, you know, didn't give him the pieces to bring Mike McCarthy to another Super Bowl. Uh, obviously, Cowboys good spot for him. A pretty hard to argue with that roster that there isn't any good pieces. because yeah. that team this team could have won two Super Bowls already. And B the GM is the owner, so it isn't like he could really mouth off to him. And Jerry Jones isn't a particularly bad GM. I think he's bad with his very loud mouth. And kind yeah. of says stuff that hurts the team. Uh, but other than that, he's usually making decent moves. Uh, obviously, if you look at their roster, <laughs> doing all right uh, with talent. Uh, the other guy I want to talk about, speaking of, uh, you were saying outside the box. How outside the box was Joe Judge for the New York Giants? I will admit, he has a pretty good resume. He taught under the tutelage of (laughs) Nick Saban and Bill Belichick. He has three Super Bowls and two uh, national championships under his belt, obviously. He wasn't a big leader in that uh, team, but he's had the chance to actually sit back and watch these teams go out and uh, be like some of the best teams we've seen in college football, in professional football, in all time, because they have two of the greatest minds. So not someone particularly bad to bring in. All right, now that I'm done tooting his horn, (laughs) I think it was a terrible hire by the New York Giants because you have a lot of guys out there like Josh McDaniels. uh, Matt Rule never made it to your doorstep. Uh, You have uh, the offensive and defensive coordinator for the Ravens who are potential head coaches next season uh like, even this a, season the d coordinator was for yeah. the ravens nightingale yeah nightingale. but there was a, there was a bunch of guys that were a lot better hires than joe judge i don't think you needed to be that de- or not i won't say desperate I, I won't say that over eager to go out and sign him in the first week of where you're really bringing in new coaches i think that was a little jump at the gun and you could have had a chance to maybe sit down with josh mcdaniels could have tried to get Matt Rule a little harder. Um, I understand you don't want to pay a guy the sixth highest salary in the NFL as his first year as a coach, but I think when you're the or as a Giants organization, you've kind of exhausted your chances of just going out and getting guys that are going on a hunch that they're going to be good coaches. 
and you've seen that with Ben McAdoo, Pat Shermer, <laughs> and now who knows how Joe Judge's future is going to be. The thing that screwed the Giants the most was uh, Dave Gettleman not getting canned either. Yeah, he, that's, he, that's odd to me. Yeah, I mean, he, he hired Shermer, was his coach that he wanted to bring in, who was terrible. They have a top – they're in the top five for the draft once again. Uh for the third like or like in the top ten in the draft for the third year in a row. They haven't improved at all since he's been the GM. And honestly, besides the Odell Beckham trade, he hasn't really done anything that great with moves. Al Gogletree. Al Gogletree. Well, I don't know. You got rid of yeah. him, but you signed him, so you have two de- years of ca- cap dead, space yeah. just gone. Yeah, then you have uh you brought in Alec Ogletree who's been garbage. Nate Solder's been garbage. Uh, signed Eli to another, to like a twenty-five million dollar deal or something to sit on the bench, and then you uh, you go out and you uh, you get Leonard Williams for like I think Trade what the last the last year he, yeah, fourth and a fifth fourth and, and it f- becomes a third if they sign him I believe yeah and he said that he wants a step below Aaron Donald money I believe which is Good ludicrous. <laughs> him and he didn't do anything when he got to the giants so that was another stellar move and they still kept him and now he he hired a guy who has no he hasn't even been a coordinator i think he was a special teams coach yeah and uh and receivers and a wide receivers coach all right people like to argue special teams uh guys deserve more chances as coaches john harbaugh coach of the ravens uh, won a Super Bowl with them, and he's leading potentially leading them to a uh, AFC Championship next week. Um, but I mean, the, I don't, I don't. Think, I think the Ravens were in a pretty good spot already when they brought him in. The Giants are a dumpster fire. They're running around with their heads on fire. The, the Ravens had a good uh, GM and Ozzie Newsome, uh, and the coach before him was uh, Bill Billick, I think. O'Brien? No. No. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I think it was, I think his name is Bill Billick. Uh when he they won the Super Bowl with the or the last guy when they won a Super Bowl uh was the coach. But uh yeah, I, he he's an exception cuz the the organization was in a good spot. They had It a, was Brian Billick. Oh, Brian Billick. I think yeah. you said I think you said O'Brien. No, no, oh, no, O'Brien. You were saying <laughs> oh, Brian. I thought you were saying <laughs> O'Brien. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Oh, yeah, yeah. I yeah. Got Brian you. Billick, my bad. <laughs> As you see Bill Billick sounds a little like a, you hate your kid to name him that, but uh Yeah, I think that's an exception when your organization is when your GM's kind of just sending you guys into a free fall high, or drafting a quarterback, I believe, way too high that you could have gone at 17. Uh, hiring a coach who is a complete stiff for the New York for a New York team, and they ended up winning like three games under him or four games under him. And then now you go and you hire some guy who's a who's a wide receivers coach and uh, putting a ball in the. Uh, Whatever machine that is that shoots the the balls out <laughs> to the kickers, you're bringing him in as your head coach. When you have Saquon Barkley rotting away in your shitty offense, I don't yeah. know. When you could have had a chance with Matt Rule, I, I guess know. they never really had a chance with Matt Rule. That's the thing. I I just think Gettleman being there kind of eliminated Matt Rule. We've seen him go from school to school, Temple to Baylor, and now Carolina, and just rebuild programs and. 
I guess the take where it's like, oh, I didn't, you don't want to give X Matt Rule or whoever so much money. Um, I just don't feel like that take is any, there's any validation to it. I mean, why are you anyone making that your excuse for not signing a coach? First off, the signing a coach has nothing to do with the salary cap. Second off, the person signing the coach is an absolute billionaire that has money beyond our dreams. So if they have to buy out that coach in year five, big deal. I mean, who cares? It doesn't count against your salary cap. It doesn't hurt your team at all. It just is a billionaire that has to pay a couple extra million. So I don't think that's a real valid excuse at all for not even getting Matt Rule in the interview room. I don't think he was ever going to take that position seriously with Gettleman there because, I mean, this is Gettleman's last stand. If this doesn't work out, he's gone. If he's gone within two years, what do you think this coach is going to be? Yeah, he's not stepping up to be GM and coach. I don't think anytime well, soon. On top of that, the new GM comes in and, and he looks wants at him, his own. He guys. wants his own coach. And yeah. you're not getting a seven-year deal from Gettleman. If <laughs> I mean, you're not getting that kind of money from him, and you should be, or you should at least be offered that. But Gettleman might not even be there for the next three years. So. I just thought I just think Matt Rule knew that coming in. There's new ownership in Carolina. They want to start things fresh. They have some pieces to bowl around. Even if Joe Judge is a good head football coach, even if he's average, that team is absolutely terrible. So he's in a bad position right now to even win football games. Um, they have Saquon Barkley, who's a great running back, and a, a league where a league where we're turning away from running backs. And you need to be a good receiving running back, which he is. But the quarterback's the most important position, which they do have Daniel Jones, who could be decent. Um, But they have absolutely no offensive line. They have no defensive line. They have no linebackers. No D-backs. No secondary. Besides Jabril Peppers, arguably. Besides Jabril, who's probably an average safety at best. I agree. But, I mean, at least that's a start, something you could kind of work with. Other than that, they have guys that shouldn't even in the NFL. No. And Leonard Williams is a free agent. The defensive coordinator shouldn't be in the fucking NFL. He's yeah. horrible. Oh, my Uh-oh. God. They now we got to go to explicit. But that's <laughs> yeah. the thing, too. I want to see who Joe Judge brings around him as his coordinators. We don't know that to this point yet. <laughs> Belcher. I but, oh, my God. Uh, I just think it's a bad... Even if Joe Judge is, is a great head coach, I think it's a really bad spot for him with Gettleman making the, pulling strings in the draft and in free agency and the roster that he, he's inheriting. It's just absolutely brutal. Yeah, I agree. And the last coach I was going to talk about was Matt Rule. We already talked a lot about him. Uh, I think he's going to be a decent coach with Carolina. And I I say this because you have to look at his track record. So his first head coaching gig, he got at Temple. First season, 2-10. Second season, 6-6. Next season, 10-4. Next season, 10-3. All right. It's pretty good. They're playing weaker competition. So who knows? Maybe they were, maybe he just got a decent uh, recruiter and they did well in the, I think, the American Conference. All right. Now he goes to Baylor. Baylor's in the Big 12. Baylor used to be ba- a top 10 team. And Baylor got the death penalty. Baylor, basically. Baylor was <laughs> with all their scandals. Lost all of their recruits. A lot of their players left. All right, Matt Rule, do something. First season, 1 and 11. Makes sense. Next season, 7 and 6. Next season was this season, 11-3. and three. If he didn't have a quarterback that was made of plywood, they probably would have won the Big 12, probably could have been in the, a uh, college football playoff game. 
and all they right. would probably be they in a similar it, spot next still, year. All right, then now they're in the Sugar Bowl. Now they're going up against uh, Georgia. Georgia. They still were putting up a good fight. Paper mache quarterback goes down. Second string quarterback, who I think was some kid that was a ball boy that snuck onto the <laughs> field because he was terrible. He was terrible in the Big 12 championship game. He was a terrible in the Sugar Bowl. I'm calling. I don't know what this kid's name even is, but I'm just telling you right now that that kid is solely responsible for them losing both of those games. They could have been an 11 and two team going into uh, whatever. Uh, yeah, two yeah. losses uh, going into uh, like the college football playoff decision day, and they probably would have snuck in because they would have won a Big Twelve, and they would have been up against. Oh, if they uh, won the Big Twelve, they would have been in. Yeah, and they would have got killed, but they yeah, because been they would have been fit, the fourth seed was Georgia, or uh, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma would have lost to them, so they yeah. would have been in, and they would have been competing against Georgia, who didn't have a championship. So whatever. Yeah, and the fact that he has seven years, so he's gonna have a long leash to kind of rebuild this Panthers team that's been fading for the past couple years now. They do have some pieces. At least if Cam's playing, he could still be a good player healthy, or at least he's a good piece that they can trade and get some kind of value for because his contract's not going to be some crazy contract. It's, I think, $18 million for the next year. So they kind of have that that they could kind of use and, and as trade bait to some team who needs a quarterback. And obviously they have Luke Keekley, Christian McCaffrey. So they have some pieces, and they know they're going into a rebuild. Uh, it's Carolina. It's not New York, so you don't have to deal with New York radio who's trying to talk themselves into the latest hire, hire. And they also have a new owner, so they're not doing things old, old-fashioned old anymore. They're He's bringing in analytical guys. He's giving faith to Matt Rule seven years. We saw John Lynch give six years to Kyle Shanahan, and that's worked out pretty well so far. So, I, I mean, I don't know how good Matt Rule's going to be, but I certainly I like the hire. I agree. Uh, I was for the say Giants not even to get him in the interview room, I think, is A guy shameful. from New York. A guy who coached for the Giants a few like a couple of years ago. Yeah. <laughs> well, not a couple of years ago anymore. I think like eight, nine years ago now. But, yeah, a New York guy who grew up in New York City coached for the New York Giants. They couldn't even get him in the door. Terrible. I think that's a testament to the way Gettleman's running that program. <laughs> it's terrible. Uh, closing thing before we uh, officially sign off. Do you think that Cam Newton will potentially be used as some kind of pawn into getting higher draft stock this year and potentially uh, grabbing one of the – I mean – I could see him getting traded for a pick this year or even a, a future pick in two years yeah. drafts from now. Um yeah, I, I, I think he's going to be traded. I don't think he's going to be with the Panthers yeah. anymore. Uh, so I, I kind of agree with that. I was not really sure. It depends on how you uh, look at uh, Justin Herbert. Because some people say you could potentially get him the second half of the draft. Uh, well, I, like, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, I mean the happens? second half the second half of the first round, I mean. Yeah. Uh, but then also now you have Jake Fromm in the mix. There's a couple other guys from uh, smaller schools that – enter the draft that are decent NFL prospects, but you're going to kind of roll the dice with them like the Giants did with Daniel Jones, uh, like the Eagles did with Carson Wentz, where they have all of the, uh, I'm air quoting, all of the uh, tangibles that you want in an NFL-style quarterback. But I don't really know if that matters anymore. Now teams are looking, if you could ball, you ball, and we'll work around you. A couple of teams have already done that. Uh, like the Texans did with Deshaun Watson's uh, with Deshaun Watson with the Bills with Josh Allen 
Ravens' uh, biggest one with Lamar Jackson completely restructuring their whole offense, their whole got a new offensive coordinator, new or whatever. So uh, we'll have to see. But yeah, your Super Bowl uh, pick uh, still the Ravens. I'm still gonna stick with the Ravens. No change. Now I still got the Chiefs. Yeah, Let's we'll, roll. We'll, we'll be on. We'll be on next week. We're doing a. Uh, I'm doing a double feature next week. Oh, because I, I had to apologize. Trouble. My my non-football fans out there who probably have not even listened to this point because you would have listened to an hour of football even though you don't like football. I'm doing two episodes next week, so we'll we'll do we'll try and uh, run this back. Party pack. A party pack. Yeah, we'll run it. <laughs> we'll run it back again next week. Uh, Maybe going into the uh, championship weekends and Super Bowl, maybe we could get a few more guests in here and do some uh, some props or some uh, wagers. But we'll see. Thank you, Matt, for coming on again. Thanks for having me on. Uh, anyway, this is Basement Banter. Thank you. Have a good one.